Welcome to this week's podcast at Bergen Park Church from Evergreen, Colorado. We hope you enjoy this message, and if you'd like to hear any more or learn more about the church, please visit bergenparkchurch.org. Do you realize how much God wants to be with you? Do you realize how much God wants to be with you? You know, I was just, as we were singing that song, this image came to my mind, and I think of my sons, I've got two boys, 17 and I think 14. (laughs) They just had a birthday, so. But there are times, you know, at 17, 13, they're kind of, you know, pulling away a little. And there are times where I just long to be with my son. Because I know he's struggling. I know something's going on. You know when your kids, there's something going on. And as a father and as a mother, as a parent, you just long to care for your kids. And there's this, this deep ache in my heart at times just to say, you know, I want to just sit next to you. Man, I wish I could just kind of hear what's going on. I wish you would trust me enough right now just to hear from you so that I could love on you and tell you, hey, your father is with you. And no matter what you do in life, I'm not going to walk away from you because I'm your dad. And nobody else gets to be called dad but me. And I cherish that, and I honor that, and I love that. If I want to be with my kids like that, how much more does God want to be with us? And yet, what do we do? We walk in condemnation and judgment and guilt and shame, convincing ourselves the Father wants nothing to do with us. But is that the way that Jesus describes the Father? I sometimes wonder if I even believe in the Father Jesus is talking about. Because he's constantly reminding me the Father longs to be with you. He knows what you need. He wants you to ask for what you need. And yet I hesitate. Because, see, I don't see myself the way the Father sees me. I don't see myself the way I see my own sons. And in Matthew chapter 7, as we jump into the Sermon on the Mount today, Jesus is making us a radical promise. I mean, it sounds way too good to be true, and I've got a lot of objections to it. And by objections, that doesn't mean I don't believe what he's saying. It means that as I practically live it out, I struggle sometimes with what Jesus says about my relationship to the Father and what the Father wants to do for me and what he thinks about me. And so we're going to jump into this in Matthew chapter 7. It's a pretty well-known passage, and it's going to begin in verse 7 to verse 12. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 says, ask. Ask. And it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. To the one who knocks, it will be open. Or which one of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? Now, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven 
give good things to those who ask him. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law in the prophets. This is the word of the Lord. All thanks be to God. Father, I just confess, I hear these words, ask and you will receive. And then my doubt shows up. But do you deserve it? And will he respond? Father, we live in a world of condemnation and judgment. And not just from the world, it comes from us. We doubt your love for us. Father, we doubt the way you see us. And Father, sometimes we doubt that you will meet our needs. And yet, even in doubting that, you allow us to do it in your presence. You don't reject us, but you invite us because you long for us. And so meet us here, we'd ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Sounds too good to be true. Come on now. Ask, and you're going to receive. I mean, that would be great if my dad, my physical dad, said that. I mean, wouldn't that be awesome? Hey, son, ask, and you're going to get it. Really? All right. I'm going to try this out this week. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door. Doesn't it sound just way too good to be true? And I want you to understand, before this is a passage about prayer, it's a passage about relationships. And the reason I say that is you kind of have to go back in the passage. You've got to go into Matthew 7 and into Matthew 6. And Jesus has this flow of thought. And he's talking about what you value. You know, do not, do you remember that? Do not value the things on earth, but value the things in heaven. And so don't value things that can be stolen or taken from you. Rather, value things that are permanent, that are secure. And the reason we want to do that is because what you value will determine where you go. I mean, it's just the truth. Whatever you value determines how your life is going to go. And so he says, watch out. Don't set your heart on things. Watch out. Don't allow your eyes to be set on things that are going to take your life in the wrong direction. So basically, if your life's going in the wrong direction, you just got to stop and say, wait a minute, this is more about what I value than what I'm doing. And then he, from there, said, hey, listen, value, whatever you value, it's either going to increase or decrease the worry in your life. And so value the things of heaven instead of valuing the things of earth because the Father knows what you need. The Father cares for you. He, he loves you. Now, when we get to chapter 7, that theme of value isn't left behind. Because in chapter 7, verse 1, do not judge lest you be judged. Which really means do not condemn, do not dismiss, do not cast someone out, or you too will be judged in the same manner. See, what you value will show up in how you treat others. Have you noticed that yet? If you value yourself supremely, you will be selfish and mistreat and sometimes manipulate and try to control others. Because see, if you value you above all else, then you're going to want to get what you want. And how does the world teach us to get what we want? Deceive, manipulate, control, listen, pretend, 
pretend to be something that you're not so that others would admire you and want to be like you and so therefore they're gonna wanna give you things so they can be associated with you. Do not judge. What you value is how you're going to treat others and we live in a world of control that we wanna be in control. And so when we get to ask, seek and knock, Jesus is not suddenly changing the story and focusing on our relationship to the Father. He's still talking about our relationships with each other. See, why do we condemn people? Because we don't ask. We don't know what we need. And we're afraid to ask people for what we want. Now, let's sit in that for a minute. When you honestly ask somebody for what you want, have you ever done that and somebody said no? Oh, risky. I just opened my heart to you. You know, when I have to ask for something and I really, really need something, that makes me vulnerable. World says, don't be vulnerable. Don't be weak. But when I need something and I ask you for it, there's this, what, what is he gonna say? My heart's kind of put in your lap and you have the opportunity to reject. You have the opportunity to laugh at me. And so you know what I do to protect myself? I judge. I manipulate. I control. Do not judge lest you be judged. See, when you ask for something from someone, it places you in a position of vulnerability, a, a position of trust. And we live in a world where we're broken and we break and we kind of hurt each other. And because of that, we're protecting ourselves. And I think Jesus is first telling us, ask, seek, and knock. This starts sometimes with our relationships. Now, why do I believe that? See, if you look down in verse 12, notice how he summarizes this passage on prayer. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this summarizes the law and the prophets. This summarizes all that God has taught in the Old Testament. Is summarized in what? Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. It's the same thing. See, if we love God, then we're going to love others. And if we love others, we're going to ask for what we want and what we need. We're going to be vulnerable. And see, the only way you can do that is you need to know you have a father that loves you. I don't know if you heard that because that was pretty good. The only way you can be vulnerable towards other human beings is that you have a heavenly father who loves you and is good towards you. And see, that allows us to be open and honest towards others. And see, you know, when I'm open and honest towards you, you know what it also does? It dignifies you. Because when I control you, I'm not loving you. When I pretend before you, I'm not loving you. When I manipulate you, I'm not loving you. When I condemn you, I'm not loving you. When I'm vulnerable before you, I am respecting your dignity as a human being, and I'm simply saying, hey, this is what I need. Now, we don't do that well with each other because I don't think we've learned to do it well with the Father. Do we ask for what we need? And the promise here, as I said before, it's remarkable. And it's not something that Jesus says just once. Actually, it's, it's quite throughout the entire New Testament in Matthew 18, verse 19. Jesus says, again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth, about anything, come on now, and they ask, 
it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. What? And then in Matthew 21, Jesus says, verse 22, whatever you ask in prayer, you'll receive if you ask by faith. James, the little brother of Jesus said, you do not receive because you do not ask. Now, some of you know the rest of that verse, don't you? If you don't, he clarifies it. And you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. There is something to asking rightly. But the Father still wants to be asked. And so when we look at this passage, it's simple. I don't think we have to do a lot of explanation around what it means. I do think we have to really wrestle with whether we believe it. Because I have doubts about this passage. And by doubts, again, it doesn't mean I don't believe. It means there are things within me that don't trust what Jesus is saying. And the first thing I don't trust is I don't trust Jesus' description of the Father. Because it's too good. And when I say I don't trust it, I mean I trust it, okay? I'm a pastor. I have to. I get paid to trust it. But when I live my life, I don't trust it. I do not see myself the way the Father sees me. Because let's just look into it. I mean, we know how it starts. Ask and you'll receive. But then in verse 9, but which one of you? So Jesus is on the mountainside. All these people are gathered around like we are today. Hey, which one of you? So which one of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Any takers? Would you give him something non-essential when he's asking for something essential? And you're all thinking, no. Now, I did once give my son a pepper when he thought he was getting a pickle. It was a sweet pepper. So there is a little bit of evil in me. But you're better than that. And we want, listen, we want great things for our kids. Even the worst parents, even if they're selfish and it's all about them and they want their kid to be successful so they look good, it's still wanting things for their kids. And then he goes on and he says, verse 10, or if, you're, if he or she, she asks for a fish, will you give him a serpent? If they want something good, would you give something that harms them? And here's the punchline. If you then who are evil, meaning sometimes you give your kids peppers, <laughs> know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? See, he's tapping into this base reality that all of us understand. Now, maybe not all of us have experienced. Maybe not all of us have experienced. And sometimes you have kids, and then your kids are at that certain age, and you, and you start realizing that was the age when I was rejected, or that was the age when my parents didn't love me, or that was the age when... But even if you've gone through a bad experience, it's, it's bad because you long for something better. And he's tapping to this base reality that all of us want good things for our kids. Well, where do you think that comes from? It comes from the Father. He wants to give good things to us, but do we believe that's who he is? And, and I'll tell you, I don't. And I didn't realize till this last year and a half, all the stuff that's gone on, how much I don't. Because when suffering, when difficulty, calamity comes into your life, it's really a great opportunity to say, what do I want? 
And this year, I've had so many people ask me this question. If Jesus came up to you and said, Jason, what do you want? What would you say? Now, my first answer is very different from my today answer. Because see, back then, I would have just kind of gone out of, you know, whatever was going on. I want the, you're the genie. I kind of want my comfort. I want pleasure. But see, when you start asking the question, what do I want? You have to start looking in your heart. And when you start looking in your heart and what you want, you realize I'm a little wounded. Because some of the things I want, they don't make as much sense. And because people have mistreated me and because I have mistreated others, when I start looking at what I want and I start kind of getting within and saying, hey, what do I really need? What do I really want? I realize there's a lot of mess in there. And it takes a while for me to discern what, what is it I really want? And over this last year, and I've shared this a few times, and I don't share this so you can say something positive to me later. I'm just sharing this with you, hopefully, so that you can relate. I have felt like a disappointment. And I'm not blaming you, and I'm not blaming anyone. It's me. It's just my heart. Because every time I do something, I see where it stinks. Someone say, great sermon. Yeah, yeah, but... Should have done it this way. What about that one couple? They seem like they were sleeping the whole time. They're sleeping, don't worry. <laughs> or they seem so disinterested. And, and I, I am just so insecure that I'm constantly just, there's these conversations. My, I got ADD head and it's constantly talking to me. And I can feel like a constant disappointment. And then you know what I love to do? I love to remind myself of my disappointments. Even when somebody says something positive, I will literally think to myself, yeah, but you just don't know me well enough. And you know what I've, I've come to realize? That is the seat of pride. When he says evil, I'm like, yeah, that's it. Because you know what humility is? It's trusting God and others with you. That's really good. Humility is trusting God and others with you. Do you understand that? And if I say I appreciate that, then you are worthy of being appreciated. And see, part of the, our challenge is we don't trust what the Father says about us. Why? Because we lack humility. And when I listen to this and the Father's saying, I want to meet your needs, I want you to ask, it comes out of a place of deep intimacy and longing for him to be with us. And it's no different from what I want from my kids. I want them to ask. And listen, I want them to ask even if the ask is ridiculous. Don't you? Instead of your kid kind of sitting in silence and sitting alone and sitting in isolation and sitting in disappointment, you want that child to come to you because when they come to you, you know what? They're acknowledging something good, that they belong to you. And I think that's the heart of what he's saying is, is your mind. Your mind. Do you trust? Do you trust the father that Jesus describes? Are you able to hear Jesus' words and recognize, listen, the world is broken. The world is sinful. We are broken. We are sinful. We have wounds and brokenness that come into our life. And sometimes we want to project that and blame God. And God grieves for what has happened to us. But sometimes we just have to sit in what Jesus is saying and just allow it to begin to rush over us and then to begin to think of our own kids. 
Because see, here's the flip side of that disappointment story I told you. If my son came to me expressing the things about himself that I say about myself, I'm not gonna let it happen. And you wouldn't either. And even if my son failed, maybe the sermon bombed, right? Just, wow, <laughs> that was bad. I'd say, son, listen, you are not what you do. And your courage at getting up there, even if it bombed, I'm proud of you. Because, see, I can see something in my child he can't see in himself. Because I've got a different definition of good. And you do, too. And if that's true of us, why do we not trust it's true of the Father? He has a very different definition of good. And he sees things in us, even in the moments of our failures. And he's telling us what you've done and who you are. They are like east and west. And until I receive who I am in the Father, what I do isn't really going to change. I'm going to pretend I'm going to wear a mask because, see, I don't know my value. And that means I can't value you and I cannot love you. I think when Jesus is talking about asking and seeking and knocking, it's more than prayer. It's about how relationships work. And so that's my first question. And, and I want you to know I'm wrestling with that. I'm wrestling with the Father and who he claims to be. And sometimes I got to tell him, and usually I tell him on a trail as I'm hiking. I'm like, God, I don't trust you right now. I don't know what you're doing. And you need to be honest with that. That's what the Psalms are about. But second, the, the second thing I have a hard time with is, is why do we need to ask? You know, why is asking so important? Because see, actually in chapter 6, Jesus is also addressing prayer, and he makes some radical promises to us. In Matthew 6, verse 7, he says, when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases. Don't try to impress God. Don't try to manipulate, right? We don't want to be manipulated. Just ask. For they, they think they'll be heard because of their many words. There's no secret phrase, maybe other than in Jesus' name, which just means in the name, in the authority, in the identity of Jesus. I'm coming to you, Father. That's the only secret phrase. There's nothing you can do to manipulate God to give you something. And here's why. Don't be like them. Your Father knows what you need before you ask. Which leads me to go, why ask? You know, and you say you're good. What's amazing to me is Jesus has the exact op opposite reaction. The Father knows you need what you need. You should be asking like crazy. I'm thinking the Father knows what I need. He should just be giving it to me. Jesus is saying, no, the Father, he, he knows what you need, and he wants you to ask him. Why? Because, see, it's not transactional. This sounds pretty transactional, doesn't it? Ask, you receive, seek, find, knock. It's all persistence language. It's about the relationship. It's about the, I'm approaching the one I'm calling father. And as his child, I'm being vulnerable. Remember, what's the purpose of prayer? It's vulnerability. It's being honest, just like it is with you. When I ask you for something, I'm being honest and transparent. It's the same thing. Am I going to trust you? And am I going to trust what you say? Do you trust the Father? Are you willing to ask him? And he longs for you to come to him, not in manipulation, 
because he already knows what you need and he sees, beside, uh, he sees past the facade. We can fool each other a little bit, a little bit. You cannot fool the Father. And yet he welcomes us. He welcomes us. Now, I love this, this definition from former Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, about prayer. He said, I noticed that when I pray, coincidences happen. And when I do not pray, coincidences, <laughs> you know, they don't happen. Because I know what you're thinking. It's just a coincidence. But he wants us to ask. And so I'm curious, what is keeping you from asking? What keeps us from being honest with the Father? And, and I wonder if you might be like me. It could be that you, you've been hurt. You've been disappointed. Maybe God hasn't come through. And so what do we do? The same thing we do with other people. You're not going to give me what I want? Well, okay. There goes that relationship. And what do we do? We walk away. Now, we walk away because, not because it's right, but because we, we're ashamed. And what he's saying to us is, hey, I want you to bring that to me as well. Share it with me. Be honest with me. Be angry at me. Tell me what's going on. Share your emotions. I mean, do you know there's these, these psalms? I was listening to this this week. They're called the impeccatory psalms, and they're just the angry ones. That just means angry, really angry psalms, where David is really, really angry. And he gets angry. I mean, just way be It's like, wow, man after God's own heart. Okay, this is it. Do you know some churches in their liturgy have taken those out? Why? It's too real. We want this sanitized hand, you know, this relationship with God. That's not what he's saying. I want you to bring it to me. Do you believe this is the Father? Do you believe he wants to meet those needs? Well, it's more than just getting something from an ATM or your banker. It's something from the Father. Are you willing to ask? And are you willing to wrestle with the one who loves you? Now, here's the challenge, and I'll close with this. We've all been hurt. And maybe we think we've been hurt by the Father because you have asked for good things and you didn't get them. You asked for someone to be healed. Maybe you have a relative, a friend that's gone through suffering and, and maybe they've done it to themselves. And you say, God, open their hearts, open their minds, show them what's going on. We have all asked from our perspective for good things and we haven't received them. And sometimes that's because God has a different definition of good. Just as we do for our kids, my kids will come to me and he'll say, Dad, listen, I want this. And I'll say, yeah, I may explain or I may not explain. I understand what's coming tomorrow or the next week. And I know what he's had yesterday and this morning. And I know he's struggling with a paper for school. And I kind of know there's a lot of desires. And I may say no to him. And I may not explain it to him because my definition of good and his are on different levels. And there's times when they were much younger, my wisdom was just a little bit higher than where they were, and they couldn't see it. So no, I think that's true. But there are times where God just doesn't give us that thing that we, we desire. And the Bible does address that. But it doesn't answer it. Because part of the relationship is the struggle. Otherwise, we wouldn't need him. 
come on now. I mean, if, if God just totally made sense and everything kind of worked out the way we wanted, then we would be God. <laughs> be getting exactly what I want. Things would work out exactly what I want. God would speak to me exactly as I want. And that's what we want, don't we? But you're not God. And part of the struggle is part of the relationship of opening myself, being recognizing. He's saying, Jason, I want you to confess to me. I want you to be vulnerable. This is part of the relationship. I got, you have to trust me and enter into that. But see... When it comes to unanswered prayer, I know somebody who was good and asked for something good and he didn't receive it. That's Jesus. Jesus did not get everything he asked for. He asked and he did not receive. He sought and he did not find. He knocked and the door was not open for him. Then in a night of agonizing prayer, Jesus is on his knees. He's sweating drops of blood. And he said, Father, I don't want this. I don't want the cross. I don't want to go that path. That's not good. What did he have to do? He had to ask, and then he had to trust. You know what he had to trust? He had to trust the character of his father. It's the same thing I have to do. When I don't get what I think I need, I've got to go, wait a minute, okay. I'm not God. How do I know that you're good? Well, the same moment where Jesus didn't get what he, he asked for, he said, not my will, but your will. That Jesus was willing to go through darkness. He was willing to be rejected, though he wasn't ultimately rejected because, see, on Easter morning, Jesus rose from the dead. God vindicated. Now, here's the reality. Jesus, within a very short time, got to see his no become yes. Do you know what I mean? I don't usually get to see that. Very rarely have I ever seen and understood completely with all vindication and glory like Jesus did why this happened. But see, because Jesus was willing to receive the no of the Father for me so that I might receive his resurrection and life, I can trust the Father when I hear him saying no or I just hear him not answering. Because, see, when God says no, it doesn't mean he doesn't love me, love you. It can't. Because the Father's heart is ultimately expressed that God didn't spare his own son, but he gave him up for us all. But why would he not also with him freely give us all things? And, see, that requires faith and trust. But it also requires, remember, vulnerability and honesty. That when you do not get what you feel like you deserve or what you have to be honest with him as well. Is that prayer for you? Or is it just, can I have this? Will you give me this? Or are you willing to take the ask and wrestle with the Father and allow him to show his goodness towards you and then receive who you are in Christ? Do you see that? That's what he's talking about. How do I know? Because he wants you to do the same things for others. Remember how it ends, verse 12? Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. You know, I, as I mentioned as we came in that we're going to celebrate communion. I think this is a good time just for us to pause. If you haven't received those elements, I do want to encourage you to go grab those elements. And whatever the Father has stirred up, I want us to take just a moment and, and would, you, would you speak to him? Would you be honest with him? If there is a no that God hasn't, if God hasn't met some need, would you just tell him? Maybe you've suppressed it, but... Just to be honest with him and say, Father, I, I want to believe that you love me. I want to believe 
that you, you want to meet my deepest needs, but I'm, I'm struggling. Help me, Holy Spirit, come. Show me, Holy Spirit, the things in my life that are blocking me from knowing you. And then after just a few moments of prayer, we're gonna receive the elements together. And so let's, let's spend that time speaking to our Father. I am well pleased.